to all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. You are listening to episode 68, and I'm talking with Molly Turner. She is the mother of two girls, Emmeline and Natalie. She's married to Pete, and she's a runner, and a very fast runner at that. She's a retired science teacher, retired from now, so she's doing the stay-at-home mom thing. Um, but we do talk about in this episode going back to work, and we also talk about postpartum anxiety and depression and what her running goals are in the coming future. So much fun talking to Molly. I know you guys are going to love her. Before we get started talking with Molly, I want to thank Now Foods for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Now Foods has been a leader in the natural product industry since 1968. And you know what they're doing right now? They're doing a really fun Live Healthy Now campaign where you can enter to win up to $400 in products. And when you sign up for this program, you automatically get emails in your inbox from exercise experts and nutrition experts. I had an email in my inbox today from Gunnar Peterson with a workout, and I actually did that exact specific workout today. It was 45 minutes on the bike. He prescribed 40 minutes. I did 45 because I'm an overachiever with some ab work and mountain climbers, and I do not like mountain climbers, but I did them. Anyway, you guys can get 25% off at Now Foods if you go to now-2-u.com and use the promo code another all caps to get 25% off your next order. Thanks, Now Foods, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Hey, you guys, if you're loving the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways for potential new listeners to find the show. You guys can also receive bonus episodes if you head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. I dropped two bonus episodes a month there, and Patreon got with the times, and now you can copy a specific link through Patreon, and the bonus episodes will go directly to your podcast feed. Pretty awesome. All right, guys, let's enjoy the conversation with Molly. So we're talking to Molly Turner. Hi, Molly. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm feeling pretty relaxed this morning. So tell everybody who Molly is. Where did you grow up? A little bit about your life. Oh my gosh. Um, so I grew up in upstate New York, um, just outside of Albany, which is the capital. It's like two and a half hours from the city. Um, and I grew up with um, both my parents. I have two younger sisters. I was really into dance from the time I was like four years old. Um, and then, and I was really a super nerd in school too, like straight A super nerd. And I started um, running my freshman year of high school. I joined the track team and um, was pretty terrible. Um, I started with like hurdles and high jump and like sprinting. And I just didn't even understand how to sprint or how to run fast. And uh, at the end of the season, my coaches threw me into the pentathlon, which is like a multi-event. And I ended up being good at the 800 which is the longest event of the pentathlon and the cross country coach kind of like convinced me to run cross country. And, um, so I joined that fall and kind of took up running from there. Um, went to college in Virginia. Um, I majored in kinesiology and I ran track at James Madison university in Virginia, go Dukes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was there from, um, I graduated, I stayed a fifth year. Um, I graduated in 2003 and I guess I moved to California for a year to run after college. Um, but then came back and 
been in Virginia mostly since then until we moved back to upstate New York about two years ago. I didn't know that you just moved up there two years ago. What moved yeah, you back? We, um, we, my family's still up here. Like literally I live probably a couple miles from my mom, my dad, and both of my sisters. And, um, we moved up here just to be closer to family, to be around, um, my parents and my kids could grow up around their grandparents and their, and their cousins. And my husband, um, works for my dad now. So we're all kind of really close together. What does he do? What does your husband do? He manages my dad's business. My dad has a a collision repair shop up here. Um, and I mean, my dad does a really good job at some things, but he kind of it's been doing the same thing for 20 years and a lot of things have changed and he didn't really know like social media. He didn't know, you know, about Yelp. He didn't, he can't even really do email. It's like (laughs) ridiculous. So, um, so Pete's been kind of managing all the extra stuff that, um, you know, people of our parents generation don't really get. That's funny because my dad kind of, my dad's pretty much retired for the most part, but he uh, used to own a roofing company and he still does kind of does some work with them and he does uh, real estate and rents out houses and stuff. And I always tell Glenn, I'm like, man, cause my dad, he does it all old school, you know, like how mm-hmm. much parents do. And I always tell Glenn, I'm like, man, if you took over that and just like, you could capitalize on so many things that he's just doing the old school way, you know, mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. really, it'd probably be super successful. I know that he's not going to listen to this. So I, so I can pretty much probably say anything, but he, <laughs> my dad, it's, he is a disaster when it comes to organizing. Like he can take care of certain things, but it's like you walk into the office and there's shit everywhere. Like oh there's gosh, just yeah. files everywhere. And he has like a quote unquote system, but it, I used to work there when I, in the summers, like when I would come home from college and answer phones and I would last like a week or two and then I just couldn't <laughs> take it anymore because it was just driving me crazy. Now, what was Pete doing before that though? Pete, were, uh, both of us were teachers. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, Pete was a uh, PE and healthy health teacher. Uh, and I taught uh, science and we both coached. And then he got into health education for a nonprofit. And that's when he started doing like the business end of things and working with social media and, and um, budgets and all that good stuff. So then he um, utilize that to do what he's doing now. Okay. So you were teaching science before you stayed home with your kids? Yeah. You were a science teacher, high school, like what, like biology or just like the freshman year science? Freshman year, earth science and sophomore sophomore biology. I did some biology too. Yeah, man. I actually really liked it. Um, and I loved coaching, but, um, as soon as I had my youngest, I, I didn't want to go back. I would, I, I would probably go, I, I would probably go back to t- teaching eventually. And I'm going to go back full time once my kids are in school. But yeah, it was fun. I kind of like high schoolers. They're interesting. Well, I always felt, felt hip because I knew all the slang. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good, um, it's a really good job at once your kids are in school too, because you kind of have the same hours as them. Yeah. And my husband's not too keen on me going back to teaching, which is fine. There's other things I can do too, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. What are his qualms with you going back to teaching? It's very stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was always stressed out and I'm like the type of person that has to do everything perfectly. And I get kind of too involved and too engrossed in everything going on at school and do too much and don't sleep enough, Mm. all that good stuff. Mm. 
Man, I have to tell you, I so I was like the worst student in school ever. I got really <laughs> bad grades. I I um I just always struggled in school and I took earth science. I got like a D in earth science oh, no! as a freshman in high school and I or yeah, and I so like when when I was getting close to graduating, I was a junior. Um, I had to meet with like the counselors and everything. And they're like, you really should need to retake that class so that you have, you don't have a D in it. And so mm-hmm. I had to retake earth science. So I was like a oh, junior no. retaking earth science with the, you know, like freshman kids. And so looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, I was like that girl that failed classes that people were probably, I don't know, just Aww. probably making fun of me for it. The younger kids, like, why is this junior in earth science? But you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and my strength was never school. Well, I think, too, like, a class like that, you have to have a really good teacher because it's really, like, earth science is, like, rocks. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, super exciting material, let's be honest. But if you have a teacher that really good teacher, like, oh, some of it's about weather, and I really wanted to be a meteorologist at the time because I thought that was so cool and um, like you just have to have a good teacher who makes it interesting and focuses on, you know, being creative and making it something that the kids will want to be engaged with. That's so true. And Glenn always tells me you were just preoccupied with what you were wearing and what people were talking mm-hmm. about. And I was just, I was just that kid, but you have a really good point with that. A teacher can make or break a class for sure with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but tell me about college, like in running, what was your, what was your main event, um, when you ran in college? Um, I, my main event ended up being the steeplechase, the 3000 meter steeplechase. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, I ran it once as a, when I was in high school, it wasn't a, uh, like a regular event yet for, for girls. The guys could do it, but the women weren't allowed to, um, So, but my high school coach put it in a meet at the end of the season and I had done 400 meter hurdles earlier, um, when I was younger and I really like hurdles, but I wasn't fast enough to be good at 400 meter hurdles. So steeplechase was fun to me because a lot of the distance races on the track, it's extremely boring Mm -hmm. after a while. But when you do steeplechase, you like, you can't zone out. You have to really pay attention or you'll just fall on your ass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, uh, so I really liked that event and, and, um, they didn't have it as an event in the NCAA, um, until I was a junior before that they just had like a flat 3k. Really? Yeah. Educate me on that. That's kind of crazy where people like rallying to get that going or, I mean, that seems crazy to me that it was an event for the men, but not the women, but I know it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I don't know what was happening behind the scenes. I knew what was happening around the time that, um, I I knew it was coming down the pipeline that it was going to be added. So that kind of like kept me motivated to stay in track and field, um, for, you know, in my first couple years in, in college, because it's a huge adjustment going from high school to division one, um, track. And, um, yeah, so they added it in 2001 as in the NCAA. And then there was a big um, push to try to get it in the Olympics in 2004. But um, th- this would be kind of boring unless you're really interested in steeplechase. But they are trying to decide how long to make the pit mm. after um, the water pit that the women jump into. 
because the height of the hurdles is a little bit lower. They were having trouble figuring out if they should should move the barrier forward to make the pit shorter. So because they couldn't decide that, they couldn't get it into the Olympics in 2004. So it took another, yeah, it took another four years to get it into the Olympics in 2008. That was the first year women, it's kind of unbelievable really that it took that long. Seriously. And I, I should know this. It's funny because as someone who interviews people about running quite a bit, I really, my track and field knowledge is not, you know, like really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I interviewed those girls at steeplechase in the Olympics, Courtney Freyricks and um, uh, mm-hmm. Colleen. What's her last name? Yep. Oh, Colleen. Quigley. Quigley, that's right. Quigley. I had no idea. That would have been a great question to ask yep. them about. <laughs> well, um, they probably would have been in they would high have been school like 10. then, or maybe not <laughs> even. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but they're like 20. They're very, Or no, they're younger, older than 20. They're probably 25, I guess. Yeah. They're very yeah. young, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so then after college, um, run me through. When did you get married? How did you meet your husband? All that good stuff. Oh my gosh. So, um, I did a year with the Nike farm team in California, which was a post-collegiate group, um, coached by Frank Gagliano. Um, and then I, that was leading up to the 2004 Olympics and I ended up getting injured. It was kind of like a disaster. I had trouble adjusting after college. Um, and then I moved back, um, to New York for a couple months. And then I went back to Virginia in, to where I went to college and, um, I worked at a restaurant, um, and I met my husband there at the restaurant. That's how much, <laughs> and I met. Tell me about that. Oh my gosh. All right. So Dave's Taverna was like this big, um, this restaurant at, at JMU and it's like a $2 pitchers kind of restaurant. Uh-huh. Uh, they, we sold like, uh, cards so people could play drinking games and it was not a classy establishment, but it was fun. <laughs> It was a really fun working environment. We, we were open until I think two o'clock in the morning or something Ooh. ridiculous like that. Everybody that we worked with was kind of crazy. I was like the most, um, like the biggest square compared uh-huh. to everyone else. And I'm not like a, a square, but you know, uh-huh. I, I, <laughs> I was a little bit like, I can't stay up until five o'clock in the morning and hang out with these people. Cause I was still kind of pursuing running. And eventually I, I retired from track for a couple of years. But yeah, I met Pete there. He was, he, we were both servers. And then he eventually went into, um, he was a bartender for a year. And I went to grad school. And then we eventually left Dave's Taverna and um, (laughs) (laughs) moved on to bigger and better things. But it's kind of funny because there are a couple couples that ended up getting married and having kids that we worked with there. I mean, is that not crazy? Glenn and I met at our restaurant too. And we invited the owner of the restaurant to our wedding. (laughs) And actually, years later, um, his daughter, because when we worked for him, his kids were all very young. He had four kids. They were really young. Years later, his uh-huh. daughter babysat for our kids. Oh, my god! I know. It's like full circle. That's so funny. Is it, it was, So was Pete crazy, too, or was he more of a square? Not square, but, you know. Oh, like no. He's, he was... He was very into partying. I couldn't... I really couldn't hang with him and his friends a lot. I tried to, but I would just, you know, sometimes I'd just fall asleep. <laughs> Isn't it funny, too? Because it's like, that was the type of thing where at that point in my life when I met Glenn, I was like, this, nobody I'm going to meet here at the Village Deli where we worked. Like, this isn't husband material. Like, this is just like, we're just hanging out for the summer. And like, this isn't, you know, long-term thing. 
And lo and behold, here we are. And there you here you guys are. <laughs> oh, it's funny, too, though, because I've seen all those guys. He's still friends with them. And a lot of them have chilled out a lot. You know, everybody has their job. Uh-huh. And there's a couple. Actually, two of his good friends are getting married this year. But um, and I think those are the last two that are getting married. But, you know, some of them have kids. And it's like. It's kind of funny just to think back, like, I remember what you guys were like about 10 years ago. <laughs> we have entered the not getting invited to weddings anymore stage because we're too old. Have you entered Oh, that? yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't, we actually haven't had too many besides like family, um, family weddings. But yeah, most of our friends are married off. Maybe, maybe we'll have a couple second marriages coming up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and you're like, can you please do a really fun destination wedding? Yes. Because at yeah. this point in my life, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, okay, so you took a couple years off, and mm-hmm. um, what did that look like? And I know you're racing right now and all that, but, like, what did that transition look like, and when did you start really training again? I, like, when I was in grad school, I didn't really run at all. I just wanted to enjoy the college lifestyle because I didn't really do that when I was an undergrad. And um, so I just, I didn't really run at all. Didn't really exercise, just, you know, gained weight and didn't care and stayed up later and was okay with it. And when I started working um, in my internship and everything, it was kind of the same thing. Like I would run occasionally. I would always run the, this like Thanksgiving turkey trot every year, even if I was terribly out of shape. Um, but I think it was like two or three years why I just didn't run much. And then um, when I moved, uh, moved after my internship, we moved to um, Virginia Beach area, which is where we ended up staying um, for a while. Uh, until we moved to New York, um, I started coaching uh, cross country. And that's kind of what got me motivated again, because I would be there coaching with the kids and I needed to find routes for them to run. So I'd run with them. And then I hopped into a couple 5Ks again. And I was like, wow, I can still run like an 1845 5K. How's this possible? But um, uh, so that's what got me sort of running again. And then I think for a few years, I just did some 5Ks. And then um, in 2011 was when I trained for my first like real marathon. I had done a couple marathons just running with friends or with my sister, but that's kind of when I started training, training again and got on Twitter and, and um, started connecting with people and Mm -hmm. in the running community. And that's when I started my blog, which I'm kind of lazy about, but um, that's when I started training um, for marathons and getting more serious about it. So what did you run your first marathon in? Um, what was the time? First, the one, the first marathon I ran actually was in grad school. I ran with a friend of mine, and I think I ran like three fifty two. We ran the Charlottesville Marathon in two thousand six. Okay. Um, and then I ran like one or two with my sister, and I ran the Shamrock Marathon that I just jumped into, and I think I ran that one in like 3.42. But the first one, that one that I trained for in 2011, I ran 3.05, and that's still my PR, my marathon PR. So tell me about that, because I know that it must have been last year around this time, because um, I specifically actually remember this post, and I talked about you on one of my episodes. Mm-hmm. I can't remember mm-hmm. who the episode was with. Maybe... Mm-hmm. Maybe Caitlin from Women's Running. I think that's who it was with. But anyway, didn't you train for a marathon and it didn't go well and you jumped in another mm-hmm. one like four weeks later and you had a great race and, and you mm-hmm. won, actually won the marathon? 
Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran, I trained for Boston okay, after Boston. I had, okay. had my second daughter in 2016 and I was training to run a PR or somewhere around three hours. Um, and it went terrible. I ran three, I was like a minute per mile off my pace. I think I ran like three twenty four, which is not, it's not like it's a bad time, but when you're a minute per mile off your goal pace, it's a little disappointing. Um, so yeah, I jumped into a marathon a couple weeks later in Rhinebeck, New York and ran, I had no goal time. I just wanted to run and enjoy the experience. And I ended up running, I think I ran three ten. Was it a small race? Yeah, it was a pretty, it's a pretty small race. Um, <clears throat> it's a pretty small race in Rhinebeck. It's like starts at like a fairgrounds there and it did two loops. It's pretty hilly, but, um, I don't know. It was just a totally different experience. And I, um, the only reason why I did that was because after training through the winter for Boston and doing, you know, with an infant and a two-year-old, I just wanted to make sure that I had some kind of something to show for all of my efforts because I knew I probably wasn't going to train for a marathon for a while, which I haven't. And I really don't have any desire to right now. And it, it is true because it is disappointing when some, you know, you never know what's going to happen on race day. You really don't. You can have all the confidence in the world, but you don't know what's going to go down. And it's true because um, if you put so much time into that, I mean, you're taking time away from your family and, and you're exhausted all the time because you, you were probably breastfeeding too, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so like to then go run the 324, not that it's a bad time. You're just like, man, I put all that work in. Like I want to show something for it for you know, not just for everybody to see, but just like for you in general. Yeah. Like, so it's not down the drain for no reason. I did all that training for no reason. Yeah. And that's, that's a tough thing about marathons. I tell that to the people that I coach too, because sometimes you just have an unexplained bad day. And for me, I think now I know looking back that it was all a hormonal thing. Um, Mm. and like you were mentioning with breastfeeding, it was a lot of it was related to that. So I know that 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 was part of it. It was warm that day when I ran Boston. Um, but I, I think it was a hormonal cause I actually started hyperventilating while I was running Mm. and that's, that was like the beginning of my, cause I, I didn't really have any experience with that before. And I went through a, a period of time where I started getting these like weird unexplained panic attacks. And that, but that period of time was when it all started. And I think it was hormonal. Man, <clears throat> hormones are crazy. Like mm-hmm. crazy. Now, mm-hmm. do you want to go there or we can skip it if you don't want to? Is that no, too personal? That's talk totally, about? totally fine. Okay. Cause I know that you and I had actually kind of talked about this a little bit because, and this is a great, a great place to bring it up. Um, so when I was six months postpartum with my second, with Lewis, I, so I've never really had what I would consider postpartum depression, um, mm. but severe postpartum anxiety after my first for sure with just like scared that he was going to have SIDS and all this stuff and like couldn't sleep. Mm. But then six months postpartum with Lewis, I just had this anxiety, like every little ache and pain in my body. I was like, it's a brain tumor. It's this, I'm going to have a stroke. And I very clearly remember One day it was, he was six months old. It was the summer and I was upstairs freaking out about some little headache that I had thinking that, you know, I had a brain tumor or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like part of it is that your mortality is so in front of you, in front of your face once you have kids, because 
the thought of them growing up and you not seeing that is so terrifying. Yeah. Um, but I remember walking down the stairs, like kind of shaking and handing, uh, Lewis to Glenn. I was trying to put him down for bed and I was like, you have to take him. Like, I think I'm going to pass out. I'm so, I'm so anxious right now. Like I want to, I want you to take me to the ER, even though there was really no reason to take me to the yeah, ER. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I called my mom and I said, Hey, told her what was going on and I was crying and she was like, Lindsay, go have a glass of wine and just like sit down and take some deep breaths and try to try to calm down. Um, but anyway, you had reached out to me, I think months later when I had posted something about it. And, and did you kind of have a similar type of experience? I think I heard you talking about it on your podcast on one of the episodes, because I do listen to your podcast a lot when I'm on the treadmill. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, yep. I had, um, it was right around that time, um, uh, like nine or 10 months postpartum with Natalie. I had never had any experience with postpartum depression with Emmeline. And then same thing with Natalie. It was totally fine. And it, it, it was hard because I didn't know that that was a thing. Postpartum anxiety. I'd only heard about postpartum depression. And I, I figured that from what I knew, which was not very much, that it happens, you know, right around when the baby's born mm-hmm. or sometime in those first couple months. So when I started getting these panic attacks for no reason, um, and I, mine, I wasn't even worrying about anything. They just, I just started hyperventilating and, and um, you know, getting tingling in my extremities and all kinds of these weird sim- symptoms. It kind of feels like you're having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you've got this tightness in your chest, but, um, so that happened right around nine or 10 months postpartum. And that was when I first got my period back. Mm-hmm. So I started putting the pieces together, like maybe this might be hormonal. And I, I looked it up and, um, Googled a couple things. I try not to Google a lot of stuff because it's like, you can kind of go down a rabbit hole. That's not very good. Um, <laughs> but we called, uh, we called a postpartum support um, center around here. My husband and I did and talked to someone and I went in to see my general doctor and they kind of figured out like, this is what it is. Um, it's postpartum anxiety. There are medications that can help you in the meantime, because mine was so severe that I, I couldn't drive because mm. I just kept getting, you know, panic attacks and I couldn't figure out what they were. So um, he prescribed me uh, antidepressant, and I stayed on that for a couple months um, until it got better. And you know, it's it's not um, it's not a hundred percent better. I still get panic attacks and occasionally, but um, it is a lot better than it was. So, and th- I think the reason why mine started coming back a couple months ago was that I actually nursed Natalie until she was 22 months old. So mm. that's another time where it's very common for people to experience either postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And nobody really talks about it, but it's a change in your hormones when you wean your baby. Um, you know, you go from breastfeeding to not breastfeeding and it takes a while for your body to get back in order. So and you're just I don't now know. finishing I would, off with her? Yeah, I weaned her about two months ago because um, she was 22 months and she'll, she's almost two. So, it, and it's it's really common. And postpartum anxiety is, is more common than postpartum depression. A lot of people have it. And, and not even, ever, it's not even that it, it doesn't get reported a lot too because not everybody has a severe symptoms, but well, and it's you very think- common. 
you think postpartum anxiety, you're not thinking, oh, no, we got to watch her. She might commit suicide, you know? And I think, mm-hmm. and I think with postpartum depression, like, that's a, the scariest part about it. Like, what if you go there and you get that dark and deep? And with mm-hmm. anxiety, you're like, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it maybe isn't taken as, as seriously. And, you know, the other thing is, is I, it's hard to uh, explain it to your husband or your partner or whatever, because mm-hmm. if they're not going through that hormonal change... They don't, I mean, my husband is like the most even keeled individual I have ever met. (laughs) And is Pete the same way? He's, he's pretty even keeled. He's had some experiences with anxiety uh, himself because his parents had a lot of health problems. So Mm. he, he sort of understands, but he's pretty even keeled too. So I know, I know what you're saying. It's hard for them to understand. Yes. And when I'm feeling this way, he's just looking at me. And he does the best he can to support me, but he's just like, this is crazy. I, he doesn't understand what I'm feeling. And then he tries to find answers for what I'm feeling. I'm like, there are no answers. <laughs> we don't have answers right now, you know? And I know that there are ways to cope and coping mechanisms and things like that. But it's so hard when the person that you're with hasn't gone through those same hormonal changes. And I know that men have hormonal changes too, but... Man, that when after a baby, it's just crazy. It really is. And it's hard too because if you're anything like me, you're trying to like figure out what is causing this, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not your fault. It's just mm-hmm. your body reacting to whatever's going on. I mean, you grew two humans or grew you grew three humans. Like there's a lot of hormonal changes that go on in your body and you know, it just happens. Your, things get out of whack, but eventually they do get sorted out. The one thing is, though, if you, you know, if you do feel you don't have to take medications necessarily, you can go see a therapist. I actually am talking to a therapist right now. And the good thing about getting help when you first start feeling off, because you really just it's sometimes you can't really pinpoint it. You just don't feel like yourself. And it's really important to go talk to someone or at least try to, if you can't talk to your spouse or if you can't talk to, you know, someone in your family, you got to find somebody to talk to about it. Because if you let anxiety go on, it can lead to depression. Mm-hmm. And that happens. A lot of people, you know, will go on for years and years with it and they just think there's something wrong with me or I'm going crazy. But you're not going crazy. You just need a little bit of help to get back to feeling like yourself again and then you'll be fine. And were you scared or nervous to wean off the medicine? Um, no, I wasn't. I, cause I, cause I felt better at that point. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned about it, but you know, if, if it gets to the point where I do have to go back on it again, I'm fine with that too. It's just, you know, and maybe it'll just be a temporary thing, but there's really nothing better. There's nothing to be ashamed of, to need a little bit of medication to, to get yourself straight. No, and I think, you know, anytime I've talked to a doctor about it and they want to prescribe something, I think that that's always my reservation. Not the stigma. I'm fine with that, with, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But I'm, I think I'm scared that I'll never be able to get off of it and that that's why I've never gone the direction of taking it because I'm, I'm afraid I'll be reliant on it or something. Well, it's not addictive. It's, you know, yeah. antidepressants are not addictive. It's really just helping your body get back to the point where you're able to produce enough serotonin to feel normal again. So a lot of times when you start to go below a certain level, you 
don't and you're not doing your normal activities, you're just overworking yourself and not doing as much of the normal things that make you happy, then your serotonin levels get really low. So by taking the SSRI, like the antidepressant, it helps get your serotonin levels back up. You start to feel like yourself again. You know, it might take a year or so to get back to normal, but then, you know, you've changed your lifestyle or you've figured things out so that you can be back at that that level where you're not going to dip low again. Wow. Or your bo- I, I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I don't know. No, but, but that explanation <laughs> was really good. I'm, I I feel like I just learned something. That's okay. That's a really good way to put it. Thank yeah. you for that. I like oh, that. Oh, hey. <laughs> I like. I try. That. You. Th- I mean, you're a science teacher after all. <laughs> so that's really good, though. Um. So. What does life look like now? We'll move on from the postpartum uh, anxiety mm-hmm. depression, but I I think that I'm I'm really glad we added that into the conversation because I think that there's going to be so many people that can relate to everything you and I both just said. Good. Yeah, I think that that's happy. you know, and I do think, and you you probably see it too. I do think the postpartum depression thing is all over the place. It's almost to the point now where people say it's not talked about, but it actually is talked about all the time, especially, especially in, you know, people our age and going through child, um, you know, having children right now. But, um, the anxiety thing really, it just, I just didn't even know about it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what does, so you have two girls, you have Emmeline mm-hmm. and Natalie, mm-hmm. and how old is Emmeline? Emmeline is three, she'll be four at the end of August, okay. and Natalie is one, she'll be two on July 2nd. Okay, so what, what does life look like with the, those two little girls? You're home with them. I am, I'm home with them. Um, it's actually kind of, we're in like a little transition period because preschool just ended. So mm-hmm. I, I had, I spent the other day, I had my calendar laid out and I had all these possibilities of things I can do for the summer. Cause I just know I personally, I'm, I'm have experience being a teacher, but I'm not a preschool teacher and I'm not good with coming up with activities for the kids to do. It's just, it's not in my wheelhouse. So, (laughs) so I, um, I got, I got them all set up for swim lessons and we're going to do gymnastics and they have a couple really cute programs here at the YMCA. They have like a a gym and more that Emmeline's going to go to and they have a sports program. So, um, I'll be taking the kids to a couple different activities or, you know, just random things throughout the summer to keep them busy. And then, the rest of the time, well, I'll be, you know, training when I can fit it in and doing my coaching, um, usually during when Natalie naps. Does and Emmeline then, yeah. still nap? Oh, God, no. I wish she did. But <laughs> she stopped. She stopped right around. I had such a good thing going where they're oh, both napped for two hours during the day. And I, that's when I got all this stuff done or I would just relax. And it was like a couple months into the school year last year, Emmeline just re- started refusing naps. So oh. I just... Uh, this is bad, but I just get, I usually just give her an iPad and let her chill and like watch a show or play a game and I get my work done then because I I have to. And you know what, honestly, like she's up running around doing things all day. Like when I'm in the same boat as you right now, because Marshall's out of school and now I'm home with all three. And today at nap time, when I get the younger two to nap, hopefully synchronized, um, I'm totally (laughs) going to put a movie on for Marshall and say, it's time to rest. And I'm going to like cross my fingers that maybe he falls asleep while watching a movie, but 
I, I need an hour at least to not mm. be doing kid things. So you're going to lay on the couch and watch TV and I'm going to be really happy that you like to watch TV right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kids need like a little bit of downtime too. They got to, they, I mean, it's good for them to be up and running, but it's also good for them to have downtime. So, I mean, and I also try to get her to, she likes to color and she likes to like, she's really into make-believe lately. So she'll just go on for an hour make-believing with her toys or whatever, putting on a little dance show. But, you know, I'm totally fine with her sitting down with the iPad and just chilling because it's basically like her taking a nap. She just won't actually lay down and take a nap. And it's a lot easier to get her to go to bed by 8 o'clock if mm, she doesn't take mm-hmm. a nap. But she's resting, so it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with training, okay, so you you are doing shorter distance things right now, but you, yeah, I mean, you just did a 5K in like 17.35, right? Something like that, yeah, 17, yeah, yep. What's your 5K PR? <clears throat> my track PR is 16.03 and wow. my road PR is 16.38. Wow, that's fast. <laughs> what those are from like my early 20s <laughs> so what's what's what are your goals now what is on tap for you um I, you know I'm kind of like going back and forth I I do want to run a marathon I'd love to I would really love to run the Olympic trials qualifying standard I I'd have to break three hours first mm-hmm. um but and I, I had originally planned to kind of start doing that this fall but now that I'm approaching the start of when I'd have to start training mm-hmm. for that, I just don't see, I don't see it happening with everything we've got going on. So, you know, I might wait until next year when Emmeline's in kindergarten um, and, and go for that. And for now, I'm just kind of having fun with running, um, kind of going with the flow, doing some shorter races. We have like a Grand Prix series here. So I had to do some of those races, um, to, you accumulate, you finish first, second or third, there's cash. Um, it's really like a kind of just like now to run and do races locally and, and half marathon this fall, but mostly focus on shorter races. How many miles a week are you running right now on average? Um, right now I'm, I'm very low. I'm only doing about 30 to 35 but um like in the winter time when I was training for half marathons I think I was more in like the 50 to 60 range and then for marathons what do you normally pretty much 50 to 60 I don't do I've never been a super high mileage even in college when I was running super fast I never really did more than 70 I think I probably peaked out at 80 for a couple weeks but um, you know, even when I was running my fast times, I never did a lot of really high mileage. I give props to people who can run 90, hundred miles a week regularly, but I just can't do that. Well, I just posted this on Instagram this morning that I'm, my foot's didn't bother me and I'm just, I have to accept that I, I can't be a high, high mileage runner. I just, my body does not want to let me do that. Um, <laughs> And it's really frustrating to be married to someone who cruises through like 70, 80 miles a week with no injury and hardly does anything to maintain uh, being injury free. His body just like naturally can run a lot and he deals with it just fine. He never has injuries or aches or pains really. But I feel like you're really good at doing the proactive stuff, the strength training, the foam rolling and all that. And how do we be more like you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very like 
a little bit is better than none because I, I am, I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm pretty lazy about that stuff. So when I started using uh, jazz yoga about a year ago or a year and a half ago um, after Natalie, because after Emmeline, I, I ended up with a stress reaction in my sacrum. Um, so I was trying to prevent this from happening with Natalie. So I, I just took up using jazz yoga. It's like a video streaming service. Yeah, tell and, me about that. I've seen people post about it a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it I first found out about it through Wazelle. A lot of the um, girls on the volley team used it. And I was kind of skeptical of it because I just felt like it was just everybody was doing it just because mm-hmm. everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I they had a, a free trial and I tried it out and, and I loved it because there's like five minute videos and I'm I, I can't come up with an excuse not to do five minutes of mm. anything. So um, there now she's got like at least a hundred or more videos on there to choose from. And um, you just do, you know, five minute reset of whatever's bothering you, or you can pick a different body part to focus on each day. And then she has some longer videos that are 30 minutes or, or more. So if you have more time, you can try those too. But even if you do five or 10 minutes a day, I, the most of the stuff I do, it, it, I'm just like laying in my bed at night uh-huh. um, or, you know, whenever, I, wherever I can do it. And all that, that adds up. So instead of being like, oh, I'm going to do these exercises that my coach gave me because uh, I, I used to coach when I trained for Boston a couple years ago. Um, and I hated doing them because they took like 35 mm-hmm. minutes and I could never get through them before a kid woke up and. I didn't even like doing them, but I actually really like doing these exercises because it's like relaxing. <laughs> so, so uh, do you pay for you know. it? What's you, it's a streaming yeah. service? Okay, so what yep, do you pay? it's a streaming service. Um, I think it was only like five dollars a month when I signed up, but now I think it's maybe like nine dollars, nine or ten dollars for the month. Um, but that's really not a lot of money when you think about it, it costs like $25 to go to a, a yoga right, class. Right. If you so dropped into a yoga class. Yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, it's like 50 cents a day, 25 cents a day to use it. So well, it's totally worth it. convenience too, because, you know, I always struggle with, with paying for yoga classes and things like that because the Y has free classes, if you remember. So I'm like, if I'm going to do a class, like I need to do the free class that I'm already paying for my membership. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality of that is when I have childcare at the Y or when I'm, when I have the time to be there, I'm probably not choosing to do that. And if I've already taken an hour out of my day to run earlier on a weekday, I technically could go back to the Y for like a 6 PM class, but I just don't want to choose to give that much of my time to this, you know? No, no. Yeah. That's why I like the five minutes. I mean, I'm telling you, you can, you can fit in five minutes anytime, even when I'm like already already exhausted. Like I said, I'll just be laying there in bed and be like, okay, I can do this one hip reset video because I really just have to lay here on the ground and move my leg back and forth for a couple minutes. All right, guys, before I continue my conversation with Molly, I want to thank the Ursa Family YMCA for supporting this episode of the podcast. I love the Y. You know, my boys love the Y. We're there five days a week. And with summer finally here, the Ursa Family Y has tons to offer for you and your family. They have gymnastics, summer day camp, cooking camp, chess, basketball camps, all kinds of awesome stuff. If you're looking to spice up your workout, try MX4, small group training, TRX, and their bar class. All awesome classes with great instructors. Whatever you're into, the Ursa Family Y has something for you this summer. Check out their website, ndymca.org. 
or find them on social media at Ursa Family YMCA. All right, if you are at the Y this summer, look for me because I will probably be there as well. All right, let's continue my conversation with Molly. Okay, so one more thing about training uh, before we move on is I remember when you recently did, well, maybe I guess it wasn't recently. Time goes by so fast, but you did mm-hmm. this, you did this crazy fast but short 800 workout. Like you were doing your 800s in like 230. I think you did six of them though. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell me as, you know, as an experienced runner and a coach and everything, the benefits of, you know, that short, powerful speed. Well, I think I can't remember when it, when I was doing that workout for, it must've been when I was getting ready to run, um, some ready for a half or something, weren't you? Um, it might've been that, or it might've been when I was getting ready to run the 8k in Chicago. Oh yeah. I think yeah. I was, I was trying to, cause I had really only been doing like shorter or longer, like slower paced things, uh-huh. but I really wanted to get my legs turning over. So it's just good to to stress different because I'm not really when you're in college you can do more periodized training where you do a strength building session and then you start to work more on on um, different energy systems and then towards that you really work at race pace and then you do some more really fast um, intervals with short uh, with longer rest so doing that you're just you're just working different energy systems and I really wanted to um work on kind of getting through suffering, uh, at running at a really fast pace and, um, and dealing with the lactic acid. Um, because, you know, and, and I really love to run fast. Mm -hmm. If I could do those kinds of workouts all the time, I'm, you know, I'm not really a long run kind of person. I really like to do the short, fast workouts. Well, and then (laughs) if it's, if the workout is so short, I mean, six, eight hundreds is really not that many, I think that that speed becomes less scary because you're like, oh, okay, I can, I can wrap my head around doing this six times, you know? Yeah. And it was on the treadmill. So, I mean, it, although it's mentally extremely boring, it's, you don't really have to think about like maintaining the pace. Mm-hmm. It's easier if you're, if you're doing a track workout like that and you have a group, that's helpful because you can have like switch off having somebody lead the, the intervals. But when you're on the treadmill, you don't really have to think about running the pace. You just have to stay on the belt and not Push fall off. And yeah. It's funny though, because I do these workouts here at the YMCA and you know, I don't know if your, your YMCA is like this, but it's basically at this hour, it's the stay at home moms and the senior citizens. Uh-huh. And they, that I had one guy come over to me after I did that workout, or it might've been another one. He's like, are you training for the Olympics? And I'm like, Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I'm not training for the Olympics. I'm just training for a 5K. But yeah, that kind of made me feel good about myself. Yeah, I'm glad you think I look that fit and I'm running that fast. Which you you are ready to you are ready to fast as someone who would be training for the Olympics. So in all reality, maybe at their like marathon pace. Yeah, depending on what workout they were doing. So, what's your favorite distance to race? Uh, I think it's definitely the 5K. Really? I I, I I've run hundreds of 5Ks and I just. It's, I don't even really need to get nervous for them because I, I always tell myself, even if I get a little bit nervous, I'm like, I've run these races like 100 times. There's nothing to be nervous about. It's just three miles. Now, I interviewed back in the day, I interviewed uh, Bob Kennedy, and he was a 5K <laughs> runner, and uh, he ran in the Olympics mm-hmm. and everything. And I, always, I asked him this question. I said, um, 
when I get nervous for races, I get nervous about how bad it's going to hurt. You know, like I get nervous about how bad that last mile in the 5k is going to hurt. Um, did you ever get nervous for that? And he said, no, I think, you know, you have a healthy amount of nerves leading up to a race, but I think if I was to get nervous about how bad it was going to hurt, I'm in the wrong sport. (laughs) (laughs) And do you, I mean, what do you, how do you feel, uh, leading up to a 5k? I mean, are you nervous about, cause you know, that last mile is going to be so hard. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I get, my mind just goes to like a, a place where it's just like so focused on get to the finish line as fast as possible that it hurts, but I'm like, okay with it hurting. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard to explain. But when I was first running, when I was in high school, I would, I would be so nervous. I would be thinking of ways of how I could get out of this race. Cause I was dreading it so much, <laughs> you know, just sitting there in class all day being like, I can't believe I have to do this. So, I, yeah, I mean, I know I know what he's saying. It's and I feel that way about like other races, uh-huh. like longer, longer races. I, I that goes through my mind. It's funny because in high school, man, I remember that weeknight cross country meets. You have to go through a full yeah. day of school and think, oh, I have yeah. to race tonight. Like, that's crazy. And I mean, mm-hmm. that, I guess that's track in general, though. A lot of track, most track meets are in the evenings. Yeah. And actually, I would probably get nervous for like an 800 like that because I felt like 800s were so painful so short and so fast yeah yeah all, all out sprint the whole time yeah last week actually well two weeks ago we did the monumental mile down here and it's just a really fun race that does that to kind of kick off the marathon training season and man it's really fun but I was so nervous about it all day and I was so annoyed at myself because I was like irritable with my kids and <laughs> Yeah. And Glenn kept saying, Lindsay, just, you're going to have fun, like work hard and have fun. You, I mean, it's going to be over under in under six minutes. Like, why are you <laughs> nervous? And then I, and he said, as soon as the gun goes off, you're not going to be nervous anymore. Gun went off and I'm, you know, usual, like, oh shit, what am I doing? And then, <laughs> but then I got to the halfway point and I made sure I didn't go out too hard, which is crazy to wrap your head around not going out too hard when you're racing something so short. But I was able to like maintain my speed and kind of speed up. And I got to the last quarter and I thought, this is going to hurt really bad for like maybe two more minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And it was so fun. So I'm working really hard at this, uh, embracing the pain, not being nervous, enjoying that I, you know, am capable to do the things that I can do. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's kind of what you have to do. Like I tell, I've tried to tell people like that that I coach or people that are on my team, um, you know, you're, if if you're running a 5k, it's supposed to hurt. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't, you're not supposed to feel comfortable in a 5k, same with a mile, but it's going to be worth it. Especially if a lot of people, it's that last mile of a 5k, Mm -hmm. you run the first mile, you feel good. You come through the second mile, you're right on pace. And then that third mile, it's so hard, but you can hang on for six more minutes and just get through it and it'll be worth it. Yep. So tell me about the Run Rabbit team that you're doing now. I really don't know a whole lot about the company. I just really like their shorts. Mm. Um, and uh, Holly Fuel by LOLs, which I think you had her on your oh, podcast yeah, I know Holly. a while. Totally. Um, we were t- chatting about it, I think, on text message or something. We, we sometimes get into random text conversations. But um, she had met Jill in person, and she said that she thought she was so cool, and the, and the company's great. They're made in the U.S all their stuff is made in California um so I I ordered some of their shorts and I love those shorts they're um 
the Catch Me If You Can shorts are basically, they're very similar to the Wazelle Mac Rovas, okay. except the pocket situation is way better. Um, and the material is so light. Like Rovas shorts are like a little more thick. They're mm-hmm. like, they're like stretchy, but they're kind of thick so that in the summertime they get kind of sweaty and stick to you. Mm. But the Catch Me If You Can shorts I love. Um, but they're, they're just like a fun company. Um, they're pretty chill and laid back, but, um, and, and they have a couple different levels to their team. So I'm not on the pro team, but, you're but on the I, team. I'm on the, on the elite team. And then they have a, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been getting over this cold for like a couple weeks and they have a, um, ambassador team too. Oh, so. okay. Well, so what is, what is, what qualifies you to be on the elite team? They had some time standards for like, the, I think for the marathon, the half and the 5k. And then they also have trail, um, trail runners on the team too, which you don't have to have like a time qualification for that, but, um, you just submit your results. It's a little bit harder to come up with time qualifications for trail. So what does that look like with Wazelle? Are you still, can you still be on the volley team for them? Yep. I can still be on their team. Um, if they didn't have any, you know, requirements about social media or wearing any specific brands, you really just have to wear their um, jersey in your race for eight races per year. And and they don't have sports bras yet. So, you know, I'm still going to wear my Wazelle sports bras. And I, I kind of like being able to wear different kinds of apparel and whatever shoes I want to anyway. When Wazelle was, when I was part of their, whatever it was called, elite team back then, it as much as I loved, loved it at the time, it was kind of, hard because you had to always wear Wazelle and only post on social media and Wazelle. And I'm like, this is getting kind of ridiculous because mm-hmm. I'm not a pro runner. So, and why does anybody care? <laughs> right. So it's, it's nice being able to like wear the stuff that you like and be genuine about it and be like, I, you know, I still like to wear this stuff from Wazelle, but I also really like this stuff from rabbit. So I don't know. It's cool. Well, and that's really good, too. I feel like Wazelle's kind of changed that, the way they do that a little bit more, and they're way more laid back about letting you wear what you want to wear in general for the volley team as well. Yep, and I coach a lot of the girls on the Wazelle team, so kind of, it's it's nice for me to still kind of stay connected with them, but I don't do, I don't have time to do a lot of the events and the the camps and and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we are going to have to move to our question or end of the podcast questions, which I know you know about it since you said yeah. you listen and you support me on Patreon. So I really thank you for that, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm happy to, I wish I could do more. Oh my gosh. No, I'm happy to do it. Okay. So what is one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you would like to do? I have, I actually have a lot of things, but, um, uh, one of the things that I've been dying to do for a while is to get my USATF coaching certification. So I think I finally got it. I'm just, I'm probably going to register in the next couple of days because they finally have one that's here in town. They have one at SUNY Albany, which is uh, the local college that for the past couple of years, I've been wanting to do it, but they didn't have anyone any here and it would require flying somewhere, staying overnight and being, it's like three days in a row that you have to be there. And it ends up being really expensive when you add in the lodging and traveling. And I couldn't be away from the baby for that many days. So I'm doing that in July here. 
it's like a Friday night, a Saturday, and a Sunday to get my USATF level one coaching certification. Well, but, the, but the other thing I, uh, that I wanted to do personally is I to learn how to surf. That's something that I've oh. wanted to do for a long time. I've tried, and I've tried when we were in Hawaii, and I, like, got up, but I, it, the waves were tiny. And I, I tried a little bit when we used to live in Virginia Beach, but the waves in Virginia Beach aren't very good. I used to want to learn how to snowboard, but I really don't like to be cold, so I think <laughs> I'm just going to go with learning how to surf. <laughs> Idea. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? I think uh, my dance teacher told me this to when I when I was younger, and it kind of stuck with me that she always said um, to to figure out what you like to do and find a way to get paid for it. Mm. Kind of like do what makes you happy and follow your passions. Because mm-hmm. I see a lot of people who you know go into a certain field um, because their parents want them to be a doctor or whatever, and or people who do things that I feel like they just do it to like get more Instagram followers, but you really should, you know, follow your passions and do, and do what makes you happy. That's so good. What makes you happy? What makes me happy? Yeah. Running makes me happy and being with my family. And I, I really love coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and working with kids. So trying to pursue those, those things that make me happy rather than being like, Oh, I have to go back to work and find some job that's Mm -hmm. not going to be very much fun so that I could make, you know, a certain amount of money for my family. I feel like you got to have faith that it's all going to work out if you kind of follow what what you're good at and what you're passionate about. That is so true. What are you loving right now? Oh, I have actually have a lot of things. (laughs) Oh, good. Then you're going to be you're going to be a fun one for this answer. Oh, well, two of them we already talked about because we talked about jazz yoga. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we talked about rabbit, the my catch me if you can shorts. So we don't need to mention those again. Oh, wait, um, one, one question about the catch me if you can shorts, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple pairs of the Mac Rogas, and I have mm-hmm. I don't wear the regular Rogas anymore. Mm-hmm. And right now I can't really wear the Mac Rogas because I. This sounds really bad, but it's just true. Like I, for me to fit those shorts, I probably need to lose like five more pounds. Oh. Um, <laughs> And I'm not saying that I care that I need to lose those five pounds, but it just, in reality, they don't fit me right now. Um, and I, I hear you. I could buy a bigger size, but I don't want to. But anyway, um, are they, so they, are they as short as the Macrogas? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're okay. short. Okay. They have a, they have a longer one that's more like the, the Rogas that's called the Hopper. Okay. But man, after, so I, so I wore the Macrogas the summer after I had Lewis and then, you know, like Sort of shortly after that, I got pregnant again, and so I haven't been able to wear them for a really long time. But ever since I had started wearing the macrogas, I couldn't wear the rogas anymore because I was like, man, these things are just way too long. Yeah, yeah. And in summertime, it's like you don't want the really long shorts tan line. And they're not you even that long, but still. Well, you know what, though? You just had a baby. I wouldn't have worn these shorts a couple, you know, when I was a couple months postpartum. You have to give yourself at least like nine to 12 months before things You're, sort of get back to normal. And this is true. Like, I, I'm so serious. <laughs> Russell's almost eight months old. And I probably a month ago started really feeling like myself again and like body wise. And I'm still not totally there. But yeah, it, I, I think really a solid year, especially after baby number three. I mean, I whipped back into shape much faster after baby number one. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like being a little bit older. Uh And it's just, yeah, for some reason with each one, I think it gets because it took me about nine months with Emmeline. And it took me definitely a year with Natalie to get back into shape. Well, and the thing about it, too, is just emotionally and physically, you're pulled in more directions, the more kids you add, you know, it's, there's just a lot of factors in place. Okay, so what else are you loving? Um, okay, so I have this um, clothing company. It's not running clothes, but it's a, a casual clothing company. They're called Marine Layer, and I love their clothes. They're eh, they're kind of pricey, but um, they're based in California. My husband brought me back a dress from them in when he went to New York City with some of his friends. Um, but they have, it's hard to describe. It's like casual but also kind of dressy and the thing about their clothes is they're so comfortable like you wear a dress but it feels like you're wearing a sweatshirt or you wear like they're they have like some sweatshirts but the lining on them is like so nice and soft and really comfortable and you can kind of lounge in them or wear them out so I really like that company marine layer I've never heard of them they're not super popular but they're on Instagram and um I don't know they have a website they're kind of like, they send out their catalogs and I like their catalogs because they, they're, I don't know, sarcastic and oh, okay. silly. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, I like them. Do you have anything else on that one? I have three or four more things. I ha- I'll, I'll say them really quick. Okay. I have uh, this Melissa and Doug chore chart, which I bought on Amazon for my kids. And I'm obsessed with that because my ki- it's so hard to discipline your kids. Especially but at the-, the ages that they are. Yes. So you have there's like a bunch of different magnets you can set up and you can choose whichever chores are appropriate for your kids or whatever age. And then there's little stars you put up for the week. So we've been doing that for about a month and, and you give, like I give them a little reward at the end of the week if they do well, but that's been awesome. Okay. I'm getting that. Yeah. Listen, I'm getting that. Okay. Um, uh, this mascara that I've been using, um, from benefit, um, it's called roller lash benefit mascara, roller lash. Um, I order it through Sephora. You might be able to buy it on Amazon too, but I like Sephora because you get free samples every time you order mm-hmm. something. From them. Um, and then I really love these Gooder glasses I just got. I think a lot of people know what they are now. I've never Gooder, heard of them. G-U-D-D-R. Okay. They're like cheap running sunglasses. They're rubber. They stay put. They kind of look like Ray-Bans, but they're, they're really fun. Okay. You know what? Let me just applaud you. Everybody, let's clap. <laughs> because I love it when people answer these questions with really good, thought-out, fun <laughs> answers. And, you know, sometimes people are like, I'm really loving the weather. And I'm like, that's great. I love the weather, too, when it's nice out. But I'm looking for something fun to share with everybody. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't feel really that original or exciting. But thank you. That makes me feel good about myself. Well, I think maybe it just shows, too, that you've listened to the show before. And you know what yeah. I'm looking for. So, yay. Those are all really fun. Those are all really fun. Did you go through them all? Did you get them all? Yep, I got them all. Okay. Um, yeah. If you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody, who would it be? This is totally not an original answer, but I thought about it, and uh, it's Michelle Obama. It has to be Michelle Obama. What would you ask her? Oh, jeez. I, I didn't think about that. I didn't that. prepare just... you for that. <laughs> so many things. I just, uh, how does she raise her children? Uh-huh. You know, what? I'm, I'd love to know what it's like just to be there in the White House, and it's got to be such a stressful environment, and it feels like she kind of, like, kept the family really grounded She's so positive with everything she says. I love her, like, style just in general. And 
she seems so confident and put together and I don't know what I would ask her. I'd have to probably think about it for a while. You'd have to really prepare for that. Oh that yeah. Conversation. Oh yeah. I wonder oh, what yeah. she's up to right now. I don't know. What is Michelle Obama doing right now? I don't know. I have work, been, she's working out. She's doing push ups. I have been ignoring I was I've been trying I was trying to stay up with the news for a while and I just have to I've been ignoring it because I yeah. just can't I can't even go there anymore. It's hard. Well, I subscribe to the daily the skim and I I actually don't even it's funny because the skim is so that you can get everything quickly and fast, but I don't even want to make time to do that. <laughs> like, I do the same thing. I have the skim come to my email too and I I was reading it religiously and now lately it's been so kind of depressing that I I'm not really reading it all. <laughs> I tried to be really gung-ho, like, I'm going to read the skim every day, so I'm up to date on at least, you know, what's really going on, what's big enough to make the news or whatever, and I don't know, it probably takes 10 minutes to read through the whole email, and I, I'm i not even willing to give it. I, I don't know. I could probably yeah. spend less time on Instagram and read and read the skim. Yeah. Um, what's the best, most re- recent book you've read? I read, I don't read a lot of books, but the most recent book I read that I loved is Big Little Lies. Oh my gosh, I'm eight percent. I have eight percent left. Oh, on the on the book or the have you seen the show yet? Okay, so I have eight percent left on the book and I watched the first episode last night because I'm obviously just about to finish the book, so I knew that nothing would be given away in that first episode. Yeah, the ending is crazy. Well, and I didn't want to start the show until I really had solidified in my head who all the characters were and um, until I was like almost done. So I was super excited to start it last night and I haven't been excited about any kind of TV at all recently. So I'm pumped to have something to look forward to watching. And well, actually orange is the new black. The new season just started that too. Big little Lies. Yep. It's good. Everybody's yep. talking about Great that fun. one. What is one of your favorite nonprofits to support? Most of the nonprofits that I support are kind of through people who are fundraising for mm-hmm. races. So that, but the two that I really like to support my friend, Heather, and she's actually a triathlon running coach, but she um, does triathlons through Try for a Cure. I think that's the main cancer foundation is the foundation, but I'd like to donate to, to her when she's doing Try for a Cure. And then my brother-in-law, Brandon, um, does Ironmans. He just did Ironman Lake Placid last year, and they do their fundraising through MMRF, which is the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, and then lastly, what are, who are your top three or some of your favorite people to follow on social media? Okay, so I have a top three, but then I have to add a fourth one because I just saw something on Twitter this morning, which is really exciting. Okay. But the top, so the top three are um, Jen Bigum, who you probably oh, know, yeah, but I she's, know yeah. she's um, local elite on Instagram. And I think she might just be Jen Bigum on, twi- on Twitter, but she's like super fast. She has three kids and she's like, she, I don't know why she calls herself local elite because she's really a true elite. She's run like a 115 half marathon. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, she, she's, she's amazing just in general. She's like super mom. Um, Maria Elena. Okay. She's Yo Coro Feliz on Instagram. She's, uh, she's originally from Ecuador and I've known her since college. Um, but she just ran, she qualified for the Olympic team for Ecuador in the marathon. And she has a really cool story like she didn't even know English when she moved to the United States she had to learn English before she could go to college I did an interview with her on salty running and she's just amazing she's and she's 40 she qualified for the Olympics at age 41 wow 
for the first time? Yeah, for the first time. That's amazing. She's, and she's very positive. She's really cool. What distance did she qualify in? Um, in marathon. Mm. Okay, who's your number three? Well, you have two more. Um, yeah, uh, my friend Heather. She's that's the girl that I mentioned that um, does the triathlons, and she's Power and Passion Try on okay. Instagram. Um, and she's a mom of two and she's a teacher. She works full time and she just started a triathlon coaching business and she does triathlons too. And she's not, she was never like a runner or anything like that. She played hockey in college actually, which is pretty cool. Mm, cool. And then the last person that I was going to tell you about that I just saw is Sarah Vaughn. You probably know who she is. Oh gosh, um, I don't know. She's like a 1500 meter runner. She had, I just listened to a podcast with her on Carrie Tollefson's podcast. Okay. And, um, she's mom Vaughn on Twitter and she's S M E Vaughn. She just set a two second PR in the 1500. I think last night she ran four Oh six and she works full time as a realtor and she has three kids. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. You know what, man, when I see these elite runners, um, and even, (laughs) you know, runners that are, I don't know if you would call them sub elite or whatever. Um, and not Shalane Flanagan, but when I see these runners <laughs> running that have full-time jobs and then to have a full-time job and three kids, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. And she's the one who, she ran for University of Colorado and she got pregnant while she was like a sophomore or junior in college. And that's really? her first kid that she had. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she's probably <laughs> young to have three kids then, huh? Yeah, I think she just turned 30 or 31, but I mean, she has three, I'm, it's amazing to me. She has three kids. She just ran 406 and she's a full-time realtor. Um, all right, Molly. Well, thanks for doing this. No problem. It was fun. It was so fun. I knew that you, I knew I would have fun with you. I know you have to go get your kiddos <laughs> too. So I'll, I will, uh, yeah. I'll let you go, but thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Molly, for coming on the show. Hey, guys, don't forget that tickets to my live show are available. Prices will go up on June 30th, so make sure you grab your tickets now. You can find a link to that in the show notes. But what we're going to do is on September 30th here in Indianapolis, we're going to run the Indie Women's Half Marathon and then follow that up with a celebration with my live show with returning guests Mary Johnson Maggie Dials and Michelle Gonzalez. It's going to be a blast. Come have a glass of wine with us and laugh and share experiences. It's going to be a blast. So just go to lindsayhine.com for more information and to get your tickets now. Prices go up June 30th. All right, you guys, I am literally recording this with a blanket over my head because I have yet to really set up my podcast studio slash spare bedroom and I need to put some soundproofing video stuff on the walls and Man, there are just not enough hours in the day. Amen? Um, But I'm going to get to it. And I'm hoping this blanket over my head has helped the echo just a little bit. All right, you guys. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.